Finish Flow is a new podcast that puts the spotlight on a dynamic cohort of next generation Finnish entrepreneurs devoted to social good. This collective of 35 and under changemakers is employing cutting edge innovations that will help guide us to the critical year of 2030 and beyond. Today's guest is Christina Steelen. Welcome, Christina. And to our listeners, welcome to the podcast. And welcome IceEye and IQM, the sponsors of the Finish Flow podcast season. Our partner in this episode is Helen. Christina, you are the business development manager for Helen, an energy company powering the city of Helsinki. Tell us a little bit more about what Helen does. Well, Helen is an innovative Finnish energy company, and our uh, the main task is to keep the city warm, so the people here have you know home homes that are warm. Uh, but also, we provide services and solutions all across Finland that are uh, enabling carbon neutral living, carbon neutral mobility, and transport as well, and also supporting businesses to become carbon neutral. Amazing. And when you say transport, tell us a little bit more about that. Well, by transport, I mean taxis and buses and um, maybe marine time, the ships and all that sector that is going to be electrified in the future. So also providing services for, for that. Fantastic. And so you're already looking into uh, electric vehicles and you're already, uh, uh, is, it, is it speculative about what you're going to be doing? Or are you working with, it, working with cities to, to ensure that that happens? Or are you uh, providing plans for that kind of thing to happen? Or... Tell us a little bit about that. That's so fascinating. Yeah, we actually, we already do have solutions for that. So the charging stations, are there's a public interest infrastructure in the city. But then, then we're also providing services for the bus buses as well. So uh, the buses run here in Helsinki uh, with electric. Uh, so they are, they are also um, getting uh, re- uh, charging services from, from Helen. So Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah, it's already happening. That's incredible. And you, you guys yeah. are so far ahead of uh, so much of the rest of the world in, in that regard. It's amazing. The Nordic countries have a very interesting power sharing plan, as I understand it, called Nordpool that utilizes each country's best energy resource. That would be Nor- Norway's hydro, Swedish nuclear, Danish wind. Can you tell us about that integration and collaboration and how Finland fits into that system? Well, yeah, as you already said, it's a Nordic system, and it, I think that's the strength of the system that we uh, together we can balance the the whole uh, electricity market and the electricity grid. So once we provide a lot of wind energy in the future, already now, so that's uh, that hydropower coming from Norway it helps also in in here in Finland when we uh, can uh, balance the wind wind production with the hydro, but also here uh, when we invest into battery energy storages, for example, we can provide uh, the balancing services and then have the frequency as, as we speak uh, in, the, in, the, um, in the grid also. And you were talking state. about batteries. T- tell us a little bit about, because uh, I, I think you're a specialist with it, uh, uh, at Helen in terms of batteries. Tell us a little bit about your role there vis-a-vis batteries and, and, wh- and what you mean when, you, when you're talking about that. Yeah, it's actually a good question. What what are batteries? Because uh, for me, it's uh, like um, default that, of course, everyone would know what batteries are. But uh, yeah, um, batteries are boxes that you can put electricity and in, and then you can take it out really fast and uh, without you know any response time uh, at all. So those could help uh, if you have own production at your home, you can store it. Uh, but then also larger scale, do like for example with wind parks. We can get electricity really fast out of the battery and put it uh, back to the grid if, the, for example, the wind production uh, slows down or there's, you know, dips or high peaks or anything that doesn't match quite to the demand that people are consuming electricity exactly at that, that moment. So 
basically that kind of services and uh, possibilities within battery energy storages and the business field are the things that I kind of uh, look into in my daily work, but also that are th- those are the current um, applications at the moment. But in the future, uh, we're also looking into the second life of batteries and trying to match, you know, the electric vehicles um, entering the second life phase, uh, coming out of the cars and, you know, probably doing those kind of services also for the grid and for us as people uh, producing our own solar energy, for example, at our homes. That's amazing. So it really is quite a, a different um, definition of, of, of battery as we understand it. Really, it, th- these are kind of mobile, personalized power units that, that can give and receive and give back Yeah, as, ne- as needed. Basically, you could look like a, a refrigerator if, you, if it's at your home, mm-hmm. or then you could look like a marine container, the ones that you could see if you go to a harbor, for example. So uh-huh. those are the two scales, kind of how it would look outside. Uh, but then, of course, inside there's a lot of electronics and interesting stuff. So you can't store beer in them? No. <laughs> they <laughs> look impossible. like a refrigerator, but that's, 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 oh, that's, yeah, that's yeah, where true. it ends. <laughs> um, the, the Nordics have also led the way on district heating and district cooling. This concept might not be as well known outside the Nordic countries and, and, and perhaps not even within Finland because a lot of people might not understand where their power comes from. Can you explain to, the, to this global audience how district heating and, and district cooling work? Well, yeah. Um, a district heating network is really efficient. One, it's basically a pipeline network covering all, all of the Finland, basically, but it's still a local uh, heating network here in terms of Helsinki. Helen is the responsible one to provide heat here uh, in Helsinki area. So we produce the heat uh, at our power plants and then the heat is then uh, feed into the pipe pipe network underneath our city and then just delivered without you noticing at all uh, to your home. So it's it's really efficient when we, when we can do it centralized and then deliver to the city. But as we are moving towards to the decentralized energy system and our customers and the people in the city, they are getting more involved into the system. So in the future, we will also be providing uh, and producing heat with, uh, for example, geothermal that will be also co-located to our customers' sites. So we are combining our own uh, production mm-hmm. to our customers' production and then still using and utilizing that uh, district heating network as a platform. So. It's really cool. And it, yeah, it's going to serve us uh, long to the future, even though we won't be burning anything in, in, the, in the power plants. In and the does region. district cooling work essentially the same way? Yeah, it just has an additional uh, piping system. So there will be uh, running like four pipes uh, parallel uh, to, uh, to responsible for the heating and two responsible for the cooling. So all beneath the go- uh, ground. And as I understand it, in Denmark anyway, uh, where where I first learned about this concept, uh, a lot of times this power that's generated comes from factories and they it's rechanneled into homes. And so it's already being created. I, I, I might be wrong about that, but I believe it's being created. Is, 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 is that similar here or is this something that Helen is creating the power or, or are you taking the runoff of other um, of other services? Still at the moment, it is so that we are generating most of the power at our power plants. Mm-hmm. But more and more, when we go to the future, we are also utilizing waste heat sources. So, for example, if sun is heating up a building, mm-hmm. we are collecting that heat uh, from the building and then uh, uh, recycling it into the ne- into the network. So, 
there are there's going to be a lot of different sources of heat, not just the one that comes from the from the power plant. That's so incredible. It just seems like such the, these are sort of the the answers that we need when we're looking to sustainable solutions. Yeah, yeah, and also you know heat pumps can provide heat. It doesn't have to be every time burning something. Uh, so for example, Helen has uh, power plants that are going to cut out of the the coal use by the twenty twenty four. Mm-hmm. So uh, after that, there there's going to be a lot of different sources for heat, and also the customers' sources are important for us. Got it. Uh, Helen is actually owned by the city of Helsinki. It's such a beautiful, uh, uh, in English, it's called a portmanteau when you take two things together. So I guess it's hell for Helsinki and N for uh, energy, but it, it, provi- it comes to Helen. But how does that, uh, the fact that it's owned by Helsinki, how does that impact decision-making when it comes to serving your customers? Well, of course, we have the uh, common goals to become a carbon neutral uh, city and also carbon neutral in terms of uh, of energy production. So uh, heating, for example, it makes the majority of the, the emissions uh, in, in the Helsinki. So we have a common goal there. Gotcha. And what got you personally interested in the energy field on a personal level? Oh, um, I don't know. Um, I started kind of uh, studying physics in my early days. So maybe just, you know, learning more and more about the, how everything works in this world. Uh, I just got more involved uh, in the stuff. And then the battery energy storages, they kind of came along the way by accident, but then they become a really interesting topic for me. So it's just like every time I learn something new, it makes me more motivated and, and you know, interesting to, you know, per- pursue longer. So. And, and when you say by accident, tell, me, tell, me, tell us what you mean when you say that you sort of learned it by accident. Um, well, I have an uncle who kind of uh, introduced battery energy storages for me and provided me a internship. So mm-hmm. it was something, yeah, not just totally not an accident, but definitely something I wouldn't, you know, just apply for out of the blue. So it was, you know, common discussions with uh, familiar people and family. Members, oh, that's so. that, that, that is that is interesting. It's, it, it, it's interesting to hear how people fall into a path and and. Yeah. Uh, you, you had a relative who was doing this and it kind of got you interested and then suddenly you uh, pursued a career in that. That's really yeah. fascinating. That's really cool. Um, in what ways has being Finnish influenced your leadership role? I have lived once abroad a year, actually in England, uh, and I, I enjoyed coming back to Finland. So uh, this feels like a home and maybe that the seesaw that we talk about in Finland, the strength uh, that we kind of, the guts that we have, that everything... Uh, it's not already given to you. You have to make your own way, and there's you know the possibilities uh, ahead of you. You just have to make your own you know way in life. So maybe those kind of uh, values and principles in life have guided me, and I think that's something that make makes me a Finn. And uh, yeah, I think that shows everything. But what I do that um, no one can let me down, and I just you know every time I try to be a better person, make better things in life and be better also at my work and, you know, make, make the world a better place to live for everyone. So I think, yeah, that's something that I, I actually feel that I can make an impact by working in the energy sector as well, because as an individual, I don't feel like I do enough. But now I also have possibilities to, you know, develop services that can actually help people who wouldn't be able to do those by themselves. So that, that, that's wonderful. And, and where, where did you spend the time in England for a year? Um, I had a gap year between high school and the university, mm. so I was taking care of children, <laughs> actually. And I think it was pretty usual at that time. 
Where where was that in England? Uh, in Oxford. In Oxford, okay. Yeah. And and did you notice anything about uh, English culture? And I'm not looking uh, to bash England, but uh, but was, did you notice anything about being outside of Finland that that you uh, that you missed? Uh, in that maybe that you were just referencing now about about guts. Yeah, maybe. Um, of course, the people were different. I think uh, the own family that I have here is more close than. Uh, I felt that maybe the family is there or maybe I just didn't fit in that well, but uh, mm -hmm. there wasn't that kind of a bond between me and the country or the, between me and the people. So maybe that's why I missed missed Finland. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, as it is here now in Finland, really cold. It was pretty cold also <laughs> <laughs> back in there and they haven't you know, figured the heating that well out <laughs> as we do here in Finland. So, yeah, there's definitely differences. That's very funny. <laughs> Well, Helsinki has some aggressive targets when it comes to emissions and carbon neutrality. Tell us how Helen is preparing for these ambitious goals and how Finland has battled uh, reputational issues due to its reliance on coal. You mentioned coal a few minutes ago, but yeah. uh, tell, tell us about how Finland is battling those reputational issues. Yeah, maybe I can yeah, shed a little bit more light on those uh, that I also already mentioned. So. Uh, Helen actually do uh, have uh, two coal-powered uh, factories. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one has been um, or has made a decision to be shut down by the 2023, uh, so mm -hmm. pretty soon. And uh, it's one year before the original plan, which was 24, actually, the Hanasari power plant. Uh, then we also have another one uh, that was uh, originally uh, said that it will be uh, shut down by 29, uh, but just... Uh, like recently, a few weeks ab uh, ago, we made a decision to look into possibilities to be shutting that down by 24. So, oh wow, yeah, so Even sooner, yeah. And I think uh, those um, uh, decisions and plans have been made together with the city. So, uh, the original plans to, um, you know, stop using coal by 2029, uh, uh, we are going to be more ambitious and try to get rid of the coal even, even before that. Yeah. By 2024. And has COVID, uh, I, I was going to say, has COVID negatively impacted these decisions? It sounds like you're moving things up five years. So, No, I don't think COVID has uh, that much impact on those, um, those decisions. Uh, of course, it has had an impact on the energy sector, like the delivery times and stuff. But, you know, the technology is already there. And we just have to, you know, now figure out which ones, which ones we will be using uh, now and you know, after five years and after 10 years. So the plan is obviously ambitious, but um, we're going to at least do our best to uh, find out the ways how to do it. Another interesting thing about Helen is that not only are you one of the largest producers of solar energy in Finland, but many of your customers have their own solar panels. Thus, they are creating their own energy. Is this, is this what you were talking about a few minutes ago with batteries or is this something different? Well, uh, people can produce solar energy with and without batteries. So uh, most of the customers still don't have batteries, but it's something that I, I believe that will be uh, increasing next year and the year after that. So batteries larger scale are now moving quite quite fast in, uh, in the market, but the con uh, consumer size, like uh, living in a detached, uh, detached house and having your own solar, solar panels, uh, I think that will break the market once the second life batteries come come in and then make make it a little bit cheaper to also store the energy but yeah solar energy it's it's a really big thing in finland i think it's amazing is that something that um helen is looking to help scale internationally with other countries 
Um, Helen is still kind of uh, been building uh, those power plants, a quite local kind of player here in Finland. But mm-hmm. of course, digital solutions, and we have Helen Ventures, uh, who's uh, investing into uh, startups and and that kind of uh, businesses. So in that way, uh, we are going to be international as well. And if the um, solutions and services are related to solar energy, that's even better. So anything that is kind of related to our business that we can also help uh, the companies to scale up uh, with our investment or uh, in our target. And, and tell us a little bit about those international investments. Uh, wh- where are you looking uh, internationally? Uh, it's Europe, um, uh, basically. Uh, and the, the investments that have been made, uh, there's a few companies uh, that we've been investing in the EV sector, so elect- electric recycling, uh, vehicle uh, charging solutions and service providers in that field. And then also uh, there's one company who's optimizing district heating network. And then uh, one company that I can remember now uh, is uh, looking into hydropower, actually how to predict uh, better what's going to be their water levels and how to produce uh, hydropower. Uh, energy consumption is generally higher in the Nordic countries than in other uh, parts of the world. What, what messaging do you send to your customers to encourage them to curb their habits? Um, we have an app, it's called Oma Helen. So like my, my Helen, uh, and, uh, at the moment you can follow how you consume energy. And also if you're, um, making wise or bad decisions, it gives you some insight, like how much you could, uh, you know, toast, for example, bread with the electricity that you have consumed. But in the future that, you know, that gives the possibility for us for more interaction uh, with the customers. So. Currently, it's only reporting. Uh, in the future, is is going to be more interactive and a platform for other services as well. So there's a digital, you know, roadmap for the future. And one of the areas, speaking of the future, Helen will be concentrating on in the next decade is smart homes. Uh, tell us about some of the innovations here and why they're so important to achieving that carbon neutrality that we're that we're all looking to to achieve. Well, I think uh, at the moment it's really interesting how the electric vehicles are increasing a lot. Like targets set a few years ago, they've already been met. Like the uh, in terms of the number of uh, electric uh, vehicles and hybrid cars. So when people uh, live in in their homes, uh, they want to charge their cars also with uh, solar energy. So those two go hand in hand. So if you have solar uh, panels on top of your roof and then the car standing on the on the on the on the yard, so you want to charge the car with the solar energy. So I think that's the first step, kind of making the the smart homes how to control and guide the solar energy into your car. And then there comes the batteries, for example. How if you pro- produce more than you can use, then you can store it and then also utilize it at your home. So those three components, they are kind of the heart with the smart control logic and those services are something that we are developing at the moment. That's really cool. It's, it's so so amazing to be looking into the future and and, and to see, you know, the, this, the future can be so scary yeah. when you think about <laughs> it, but, but it's so wonderful to think about the innovations that are being made. Well, you're one of, uh, of, of eight uh, young next generation change makers that have been selected by the Finnish Flow to sort of represent this movement of young um, entrepreneurial, social good oriented uh, Finns. Uh, and tell us a little bit more about yourself personally. I, I know that you're very interested in dogs. <laughs> yeah, I've had a dog, uh, one dog. Uh, she was my first one uh, for four years almost. Uh, I was 
waiting and waiting like uh I was 10 years old and telling my parents like I want to have a dog and they were saying like no 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 you do it when you're you know living on your own and you have the possibilities so I was really you know waiting for that moment to get my own dog and that moment it happened uh yeah four years ago and Moo she was my first dog and then course, what's the dog's name Moo it's like from the Moomins <laughs> like the little Moo so <laughs> very cute yeah that, that's her name and then I thought that oh maybe she's a little bit lonely alone so I got another one so Now there's two. Aronna is the other one, and she's two years old. And where will this stop? Uh, no, twenty dogs. No, <laughs> it has stopped now. It has stopped yeah. now. And what kind of dogs are they? And then Nova Scotian duck tolling retrievers. So retrievers, they like to you know fetch stuff, mm-hmm. balls and sticks, and and also I train quite a bit with the dogs. So it's, oh, so you're yeah, very it's a hobby. About this. Yeah, it's yeah. a hobby of mine. So in my free time, I. Yeah, I do a lot of things, crazy stuff. People might say <laughs> throw birds and you know dummies and stuff like that. Oh wow, <laughs> that, that, very uh, very canine oriented. Yeah, <laughs> it's something to balance the work life <laughs> to go to the forest and. And where do you where do you normally go? Um, I try to go to the forest and you know to the nature as much as I possibly can because they love it and of course it's uh for me a place to kind of breathe and oh, take my time yeah it's wonderful yeah all right here's the last question uh Hel- helen has a unique perspective in that it currently serves more than half a million Finns in helsinki by the year 2050 two-thirds of the world's population 6.7 billion people will be living in urban areas in a previous role at Hel- helen you were a designer working on energy optimization in smart cities which we talked about in a few minutes ago What are your thoughts about how to make cities more sustainable in the energy sector to accommodate this massive number of people who are going to be living in in, the, in urban areas by in in a very short time? Yeah, I think um, it's the circular economy that makes the difference, and um, it's how people need to also adjust their behavior. And I think it's something that we don't even question how we are changing our behavior. We are trying to move and you know use the public transport and live in a different way and everything is kind of determined by circular economy how we can use our resources in a different way how we are redefining waste like if we have something uh, that we no longer use there might be value for someone else and how we can also utilize those material flows in the city also in addition to energy flows uh, efficiently and then uh, when the city gets more tight and urban uh, we have to be wise also in terms of resources and yeah that's kind of the way in the future that will also make the cities more sustainable more circular economy which leads to more jobs as well which yeah. is which, which is really wonderful all right well thank you thank you for being here uh Christina it's so wonderful to to talk with you thank you to, for listening everyone uh thank you to our sponsors Ice Eye IQM and to Helen Uh, learn more about the Finnish Flow at www.finishflow.com and follow the Finnish Flow account on LinkedIn. And here's a special message about UNICEF. UNICEF works around the world to save children's lives, defend their rights, and help them fulfill their potential. UNICEF never gives up. Join your local UNICEF to support the work in Finland. Visit unicef.fi. <laughs>